Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kessel Run Collecting. In this episode, we're going to talk about what collectors refer to as Holy Grail collectibles. Now, the definition really depends on the collector. Some would say that it must be expensive. Some would say it simply has to be hard to find. And to others, it's simply something they always really, really wanted and for whatever reason, never got it. For some collectors, a grail item may even cease to be a grail item once they've acquired it. For those reasons, this isn't about what ranks on a lot of collectors' most wanted lists or holy grail lists, and the picks aren't based on overall popularity. So, the three of us are going to run down our top 10 personal holy grail collectibles. While we're primarily a Star Wars action figure-centric show, for this topic, the door is wide open to other figure lines, statues, props, trading cards, etc. Basically, anything that could fall under the category of a collectible. I thought my own list was very eye-opening to me, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what Matt and Chris have on their list. I was so looking forward to doing this show since we, since we first discussed that the next show we're going to talk about are Holy Grails, and I started doing some research and thinking of some ideas and, okay, what was on my list? What would I put on my list? I had so much fun. I think I might end up seeking out a few of these things if I can. But I had a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to discussing these and seeing what you guys have on your list. So I thought what we'll do is... Um, We'll, we'll take turns. Chris, we'll start with you, and then go to Matt, and then me, and we'll rotate through all our top tens. So uh, whenever you're ready, Chris, uh, go ahead. Okay, so my first, um, well, I guess my tenth, is um, it, I was really surprised. I, I did a little research one day because I was curious, but when I was very little, um, my dad used to take me to this place that had uh, claw machines, and out of this claw machine, I got this guardian angel teddy bear. And it was, it had this like emblem on the front. And I just, I was very little. And this thing, I literally, I actually, when I was that young, thought it was my guardian angel. And so, um, you know, I was just, I decided to Google it one day and see if I could find it. And I actually did find it. Um, it's by We Win Toys. Um, so I could get it. So that's my number 10. That's that's interesting. I mean, that's something that most people wouldn't think of, but obviously it has uh, it, it's a sentimental pick. The funny thing is, a lot of those claw machines is I had heard somewhere they were saying if you actually wanted anything from those claw machines, or um, the you know you go to like a carnival or a fair and you got to play the games and you win, you know, some big stuffed animal. And, and this one guy was showing where you can buy like all that stuff. And he's like, Oh, that, that, you know, teddy bear that you spent $10 trying to play some or virtually rigged game at a fair, like, Oh, you just go on this website. You could have bought it for like $2, <laughs> but it's amazing that you were able to actually track it down. Cause sometimes really oddball stuff that you can't just like walk into you know a walmart and buy some of that stuff ends up being very hard to track down and from that long ago yeah yeah don't, don't underestimate claw machine youtube's algorithm the claw yeah. machine <laughs> youtube chant genre was very big of you guys. really with on on youtube yes it was all right matt so what is your 
your all right my number 10 is something i didn't know until recently so maybe six seven years ago but i always had an r5d4 and i didn't realize until that there was a variant of r5d4 called the red bar r5d4 and I can't tell you how many old beater R5D4s I went through at conventions looking for that extra little red bar to see if there's one of these guys that aren't on the internet don't realize what they have. Apparently, it's quite rare, but the sticker on the vintage R5D4 had an extra red bar on one side that was filled in red where it's hollow with a hollow outline on the more on the later on the ones from different factories. And I've had lots of R5D4s come and go through my sites and have yet to see one. Well, I remember you telling me about that one, and that was a a variation I was not aware of. And I think what also probably compounds the problem with that is uh, reproduction stickers. You know, that's not a part that's painted on or, or molded on where a variation is a little bit easier to tell if it's a fake or not. I imagine there's probably reproduction stickers out there with that error. Oh yeah, I guess. Oh yeah, I've seen. I was. I've seen some sites on eBay where you can get the R5D4 red bar version as a repro sticker now because it's been out. It's been known now more widely since like 2014 or 15. So now eight years into it, everyone kind of knows about it now. But apparently that was like a hush hush variant. Now, do you know how you can tell the difference between a reproduction sticker? or not because obviously with things like the weapons there's different techniques and stuff you can use to kind of tell if it's fake or at least uh be a little bit more sure about the authenticity how do you tell with the stickers i got no clue that's why i don't trust them. i'm if it's really worn down and the figure's yellow as crap and i see part of the red bar on there on a beat up sticker then I'll th- probably think that was probably legit. My regular New Hope R2-D2, the sticker on the back literally does not exist anymore. And on the front, <laughs> almost all the color is worn off it. I mean, you can tell <laughs> it was it was really rough. Oh, yeah. Same thing with mine. That's, that's why we love them, though. So, okay. My number 10. Now, this is going back to from when I was a kid. The first two on my list are my holy grails from then. And, and I, you know, I've probably touched on them before, but my number 10 is Transformers Fortress Maximus. Oh, good one. It came out in 1987. Fortress Maximus was the largest Transformer released at that time and close to it today, still standing at two feet tall. He was a Transformers headmaster, which meant his head could come off. And transform into a robot as well and then a smaller robot's head could also come off and transform he was the only headmaster that had like two stages yes it was weird but just go with it <laughs> headmasters <laughs> they weren't the only weird thing that transformers did believe me anyway he could transform from a robot to a battle station to a city mode he came with two additional small vehicles that could combine into another robot as well I found a listing that shows the original retail price was $69.99, though I could swear that I always saw him at $80 to $85 at Toys R Us, which was yeah. the only 
That was the only Ooh. store I ever saw Matt was Toys R Us. I that sounds more correct because I because we might see Fortress Maximus on on my list too. Um, my mom at Children's Palace said, "No, that's a hundred dollars. We're not buying it." Now I didn't understand like the ninety. I was too little to understand ninety nine like the ninety nine cent over a dollar. But it, but I would. She wouldn't say a hundred if it was that if it was like fifty nine ninety nine. So it sounds. I bet it was eighty nine ninety nine. Well, the sixty nine ninety nine price I found it was a photo of like a like a magazine listing of some sort. So I don't know. I always remember it being eighty to eighty five dollars. And the reason why is because my mom always told me no transformer was worth that price. But mom, he's two feet tall. No transformer is worth that price. He has like <laughs> three modes. No transformer is worth that price. And now we routinely will pay even more than that for just a small masterpiece transformer. But this guy was such a grail for me that it even became a storyline when I played with my transformers. So like in my head cannon, Wheeljack had designed and been constructing Fortress Maximus, but the location where he was hidden was lost. So the Autobots were out searching for this hidden cavern where Fortress Maximus was. Because the Autobots were always getting their butts handed to them because the Decepticons, or more importantly, me, I had two city bots, Triptychon and Scorponok, but I only had Metroplex for the Autobots. So finding Fort Max would have been like a game changer in the war. So that was like my whole storyline for years was the search for Fortress Maximus. Because one day I hopefully would get him, but yeah. As my mom said, no transformer was worth that much. Well, you know, you might have saw it in like a second run catalog because that happened. Well, this wasn't on my top 10, but I had two set full entire sets of the Constructicons because they came in You can make the big five set you can buy. Yeah. That, uh, my dad bought one and then he bought the next week. He bought another one because he saw because it was so cheap on sale. So maybe it was something like that they saw. We saw well, the listing was kind of zoomed in a little bit. So, I mean, it could have even been like a sale catalog. You know, maybe it was being clearanced out because all the moms said $85 was too much. But anyway, I looked into it. If you want to get your hands on a Fortress Maximus now, eBay listings show them selling for like $750 and up for a complete figure with box. Other loose ones in the $250 range. Now, I see him pretty often at toy shows anymore, so he's not super, super hard to acquire. And I think I've seen some with the box for like $250-ish, but in those cases, I think they're like the Japanese box, not the American box. And I think he's different colors. Now, in 2016, Hasbro released a new version of Fort Max, about the same size under the Titans Return banner, and it was when they were coming out with new versions of all the cities. But all the cities were now the same size as Fortress Maximus, so Metroplex was actually upscaled, Triptychon was upscaled. And you can actually find complete in-box versions new for roughly the $200 range. And as much as I wanted Fortress Maximus as a kid, I don't have a desire to get him now because he just doesn't fit in with the rest of my Transformer collection. The third-party company, Fans Toys, which 
I think as far as third party transformer goes, they almost always hit it out of the park. I think they usually do one of the best jobs. They have a lot of die cast, which makes their, their figures have a lot of weight. They're doing their own fortress Maximus. And when complete, he will be four feet tall. (laughs) I think they actually said 50 inches tall, uh, which is essentially a small child. Uh, and not far away from the height of my mom. My mom's under five feet. <laughs> now, so far, they've only released his head, which is the smaller robot that transforms. But alone, that figure will ru- runs about $200, which is, I think, insane. But I don't know how if they're going to release the body together or if it's going to be in two halves. Because there was another company that released an a uh, omega supreme and i think they released it in like two sections and i think they might be doing the same with this and each section is like two hundred dollars so you're going to be looking at 450 dollars or whatever at least when you get your fans toys one it's awesome but you pretty much have to be like just a transformers focused collector to be getting stuff that big <laughs> mm. but that is uh that's my number 10 nice so back to you, Chris. Okay, so um, my number nine are actually two items that I'm grouping together. I ha- at Once upon a time when Beanie Babies were all the rage, um, I did get Halo the Bear and the Princess Diana Beanie Babies. Um, I did love the angel. Again, it's like another angel bear. And then the Princess Di was the prettiest purple. Those would be kind of nostalgic for me to, to grab. So you don't have those. And you never had them, but you would still like them. No, I did. I did. I had them. And through a series of unfortunate events, um, many of the things that I collected in my younger years are no longer in my possession. Matt, <clears throat> Matt, Christmas, Christmas coming up. Yeah. Hey, do you know the price of those things? You're talking a couple thousand a piece, yo. I actually unloaded just about a year or two ago a huge tote full of Feeny babies that someone just gave us. They're like, I don't want them anymore here. Take them. And I went through and looked them up. Almost all of them were pretty much worthless. And I th- I could have sworn I had like a purple bear of some sort. It might not have been the one you're talking about, though. Yeah. they. So you can get a... I, I don't need the ones that are ultra rare. Um, but you can get a Halo the Bear and a Princess Diana for relatively decent pricing. Um, the rare ones are like they've got this alternate, you know, thread color, or they've got two tags or, you know, some crazy little, little thing um, from what I saw, but those were my two favorites. All right, Matt, back to you. Number nine is not very old, but it's something I want. It's very hard to get in good condition. I was not collecting during this time frame, but it would be the lost line of modern figures with the Jar Jar Binks Frozen in Carbonite San Diego Comic-Con exclusive display. If you know what now, I'm Now, are you talking about the whole set or that one the whole, figure? The whole thing with all the stuff in it. I like it a lot just because it's like, because they turned the display into like a mini cardboard diorama-ish kind of carbonite chamber. I thought it was cool to incorporate that. And those things are not very cheap anymore or... For what for a Jar Jar, I can't give it. If that is to me a nice complete one, mint. That's 
that's a low holy grail and that's what a number nine holy grail would be i i love that jar jar in it now as far as the actual jar jar figure i mean that's something i can make myself pretty easily and it, it's amazing that i haven't yet <laughs> but to have it on card i think would be really really cool and uh I, that's actually something i totally forgot about when when thinking about it because it's part of a it's part of that whole set so it's something that those types of things tend to slip my mind a little bit more because my brain sees the whole set, not the one component from it that I would really like. Uh, actually reminds me of another figure that may have actually made my list if I had remembered it in time. Yeah, that's uh, that's one that goes for a pretty penny, that is sure. My number nine, again, this is from when I was a kid, and I wouldn't be surprised if this makes your list, Matt. For a lot of kids that were into G.I. Joe, the USS Flag was their holy grail. Oh, you might have that on this Me, too. I could have cared less about the USS Flag. Ooh. Because, I mean, I didn't have any like jets or helicopters that would have fit on anyway. For me, I was all about the Defiant Shuttle. Uh, yeah, 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 it's okay. Uh, see, you're you're one of the kids that was all about the flag. Me, I freaking love the Defiant shuttle. And you know what was really a, a double whammy here? So the Defiant shuttle also came out the same year as Fortress Maximus. Oh, wow. So along with a no Transformer is worth $85, that same year was also a no G.I. Joe vehicle is worth $100. Because the retail price on that was $99.99. And uh, this is one of the biggest vehicles or play sets that they did. Tons of features on it. And it's essentially two vehicles together. And you can utilize both them. And then you have the the base part. You know, So you really have like two or three play sets all incorporated together. If you want to complete one now... The Defiant is easily going to set you back somewhere in the $800 and up range. In 1989, two years later, Hasbro released the Crusader Space Shuttle with Avenger Scoutcraft. The set reused the shuttle portion of the Defiant along with a small aircraft that was repurposed from the Cobra Night Raven. Now, I did have the Cobra Night Raven, so I had that little mini one-man uh, the, the drone, ship. yeah. But uh, basically, they just did a repaint on the shuttle part of the Defiant and a repaint on that other little aircraft and put them together. Hasbro's doing it now. Hasbro did it back in the day with G.I. Joe. They did tons of repaints, which was fine. But I wouldn't want just the shuttle. I like the fact it came with the whole, um, I don't know what you call it, launch pad, crawler the thing. Gantry. The moving gantry. Yeah, and... I say, you know, the Fortress Maximus, I would pass on that, you know, at $200. I'm like, hey, I don't care. It doesn't fit in my collection. Well, the Defiant does not really fit in my collection either. But if I had the opportunity to buy a complete one for like a stupid low price, like 300 bucks or something, I would maybe do it because I just love that thing. Every, every time I see one of those, it's you know, I hear angels sing and see light shine down from the heavens on it and everything. But yeah, 1987, rough year for for little Eric. No Defiant Shuttle under the tree, no Fortress Maximus. So that's my number nine. Uh, so continuing down memory lane for me at number eight um, is this stuffed animal 
called a popple. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I I had a popple as a kid. So did I. I even know some of the theme song. I'm. I oh wow. Say. <laughs> yeah, so when I I didn't get to spend a lot of my Christmases with my mom, um, and one of the few years that I went down, she had actually gotten me this popple that I really wanted. It had like blue and white stripes on it, and the bear, the animal itself, I think was pink. Um, but yeah, that's my number eight. That's something that I don't think they're uber expensive. You could. I mean, they're not very common. It's not like I yeah. see them a lot at toy shows. It's like glow worms. You don't see a whole lot of either. But that like yeah. Well, I think well, I think area. the the problem is is when you deal with plush stuff, it it's a little bit easier to not be able to clean it. You yeah, know, it degrades it, a lot easier. Yeah, Chris, your list is very plushy. <laughs> <laughs> I I still have uh, stuffed animals that I like to collect. So. <laughs> I have a, um, from when I was, I was like a toddler, uh, and I had this one stuffed dog that I, that I still have. And, uh, I can't think of, oh, his name was Digger. And he had like this little cape and hat, like a detective. Oh, and I still you. have him to this day. <laughs> um, I think you talked about that years ago when we were still doing the jar tale. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I, I still have him somewhere. Digger. <laughs> All, All right. right, Matt. So you're number... Number eight. Uh, staying within the Star Wars realm. And this became a Holy Grail much more recently, but it's not recent. It is vintage. Because when I got into Star Wars, the movies had already got past the by. And I had to backtrack. Now, this is early when I was still in late elementary early middle school and i was reading up and listening to the audio tapes of course this is the story of return of the jedi the old children's books tapes and one of my older cousins put me on to something that he played when he played DD with called the role-playing games i didn't really understand at the time what they were they were just books with lots of words but cool pictures from the movies and cool drawings of schematics and these were the western games role-playing game modules to get a complete i have almost a complete set in pdf form from certain websites which may or may not have the licensing rights to them but i don't care and i got those pdfs but i don't they don't have all of them and some of them are still out there hard to find but to have a physical copy of, of those 30 or so manuals from i think 87 or 86 all the way through until I think they kept it until the late 90s because I know they did Shadows of the Empire before Western Games either got sold or bought out by something else. Someone else does the RPG for them now. Oh, really? I didn't I didn't know West End had it as late as Shadows. Wow. Yeah. Yep. I think because I remember seeing because I have the Shadows PDF. My friends and I played uh, Star Wars RPG with uh, it was whatever company took over after Western Games did it. And our core, core rule book came out between episode two and episode three. And I remember we had actually started making character sheets for the West End Games version, but we didn't have like a lot of the material. And by then they had all this new stuff out. And so we were going off all the new stuff then. <laughs> but I remember one of our one of our friends had uh, 
some West End stuff. I'll tell you, later on in the 90s, even I think you know, bef- either before or while before the Shadow Ones came out, me and my brother had gotten more and more into D&D and the role-play game. And of course, this is after 95, so this is 96, this is about Shadow's Empire time. The action, the Power of the Force 2 were out, right? So we each made our bounty hunter characters out of Power of the Force 2 figures. I used one of the TIE Fighter pilots with money I bought from my crappy Long John Silver's fast food job. And my brother, I think I just bought him his, I got him a Sand Trooper. So whatever year the Sand Trooper was out is the year we made our, and we you know, painted them up with crappy little acrylic paints and sliced the heads off with exacto knives and hauled them out with a, with a drill and put like heads on them. Oh, dude, that's, and we, we thought we were so cool making these crappy customs of our RPG characters, <laughs> named them and everything. It was crazy. Nice. So, okay, mine, mine is something where I'm generally not a high-end collector and I'm not normally a statue collector, okay? But this made my list. The Sideshow Mythos Ben Kenobi statue. Ah, now, the, the, the one where he's walking with all this gear on his back? Yes. Now, this is an 18-inch statue. The piece was limited to 2,000. And it's basically what is responsible for the quote-unquote nomad Obi-Wan look that you see being used a lot more now. And the likeness resembles Obi-Wan, who looks kind of like a cross between Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness in age. And he's carrying a backpack that has like bits of Tuscan gear, a mini moisture evaporator, and bits of his Clone Wars armor. Now, I'm not a big Obi-Wan fan. And if I listed my favorite Star Wars characters, he would probably be way down on the list. I think he's rather boring. Obi-Wan fans are out there, think differently, but whatever. He's not really my cup of tea. But one thing I love is seeing unique imagery. Like most statues look relatively the same, okay? You're going to have the same general poses. You're going to have the same expressions all that you know it's the same with artists like you can go down an artist alley and someone has a a great looking drawing of of uh, spider-man or batman or something and you see another artist and he has a great look but then like the third guy will have one of say batman and spider-man playing poker and i'd be like okay that's cool like that's that's what i would want (laughs) because it's not the same old thing that everyone does so um I really loved the fact that they had this interesting take on the character, and I was actually seriously tempted to buy it. However, there was a $350 price tag, which that definitely kept me away. Even if I had the money at the time, which I probably did, but to me, that was just too much for a statue. However, now it has moved on to the unreachable Holy Grail price of $1,200 on the secondary market. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so I don't think, as a matter of fact, at $1,200, unless I won the lottery, I don't know if I could ever justify $1,200 for a statue. Like, I, I don't care what it is. I think it's now at a price that, even if I was a wealthy person, I don't know if I could bring myself to spend that much on it. Now, if, like me, that's outside the price range now, they later released a similar Obi-Wan in 1.6 scale, and it's more of the figure, like the 12-inch figures that they do. 
so it's posable. It's not a statue, but it still has like the backpack and all the gear and everything. Uh, that came out at two hundred and sixty dollars on the secondary market. He's going for about five hundred. But there's just something about the statue, and it might be that you know they could get the look of the wind blowing and everything like that. I, I just think there's something about the statue that looks a little bit better than the figure does. But anyway, uh, that is my number eight. Nice. Okay, so getting away from the stuffed animals, um, but still sticking in the realm of nostalgia. Uh, when I was little, we didn't actually put Christmas ornaments. Like, we didn't have ornaments on our tree. We always did, like, the Christmas balls. And, um, you know, our most of our balls were the generic ones that you get in the multi-pack. Um, but I did have one glass, blown glass doll or ball that was rainbow uh, it was like vertical rainbow stripes all the way around kind of like a beach ball but it not it didn't look like a beach ball and um sadly a few years ago uh while my children were helping us decorate it shattered and so if i could find another one that was like it i would i would love it so matt what's yours <laughs> all right so my number what are we on seven now or six i think so. seven Ooh, would be a vintage complete mint he-man Castle Waternia with all like the little like sky ramps and everything. It, I saw my buddy across the street, Joe Brooks, had one. It filled up a lot of his room, and even though it didn't look like anything from the show or the movie, I wanted it. I love that giant, huge, like kind of reminding me like if if you were watching Thundercats on acid and tripped out and tried to draw like the Thundercat layer, that's what it <laughs> yeah. reminded me. Of. I wanted it. Yeah, they're uh they're they're one of those really pricey ones and it's really hard because they they have a lot of parts that tend to go missing or get broken. It's a little bit more on the fragile side, especially you know if you have kids playing with it and stuff very easily get damaged. There's a local toy store to me that I think last year, like within the last year or two, they actually had one. I don't think they have it anymore. And I don't know if it was complete or not. But yeah, they're they're pricey. So if you had your chance to get your hands on one now, would you? Like regardless of price, or, or would it just be you always wanted it, but it doesn't fit in with your collecting now? No, I would because I can use it because remember I'm a diorama and supporter novel and storyteller. So I can put it in as like some main some capital of some world that is in negotiations with the rebellion and empire over their their system. And then I have a Grand Admiral Thrawn show up and start laying, laying the smackdown on Cat on Planet Eternia. And then the Eternians have to side with the rebels and all kinds of shit goes on. So, All right, so my next one. Again, we're in high-end stuff and back to Sideshow. I was always a big General Grievous fan ever since he showed up in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars series. And then, fortunately, Lucas really neutered him by the time it came to the movie and the mm. and the following Clone Wars, where suddenly, instead of being a real badass, he was a coward and would run away and stuff, which I didn't I didn't like. But still, think he has a really awesome design, and he's very thin and spindly, so you need a good sturdy figure. And like the vintage collection figure they did of him was you know, fairly nice, but I still had to glue some of the leg parts together to make him stay up or slowly he would just kind of like fall over on his side. And Sideshow did a six scale one, which I don't really collect six scale, but this General Grievous looked so, so cool. 
And uh, like the Obi-Wan, he was about $250 when he came out. And now on the secondary market, it's going to run you more like 500 And uh, this is something where if I could get it for the right price, and by the right price, I mean like 100 bucks, I'd pick him up in a heartbeat. But more than that, and it becomes a, well, where do I put this in my collection? Because it really is sort of like a one-off having a six scale figure. Cause I don't really collect those, but yeah, he, he looks really cool and he comes with alternate arms. So you can have the four arms or the two arms comes with four lightsabers. He also came with um, the Magna guard battle staff too. If you want to have him with that comes with the Cape uh, really awesome figure. Um, so my number six um, is actually, I have two items that are kind of in this line. But um, Hummel, the Hummel figurines, um, they're German. Um, part of my family is, is German, and um, these figurines always had these really bright, pretty, rosy cheeks. But my grandmother collected them and passed them down um, to me and my dad. And um, I, being a little kid, um, also did what my children did to me with my Christmas ball and happened to break a lot of the ones that were passed down. But so my number six is actually one called um, Let's Sing. And um, my dad played the accordion. And so it was this little boy and holding this like accordion instrument um, and playing it. It had like a little bird on it, if I remember right. Yeah, I've, I've actually heard of those. those yeah, my, uh, my grandmother and aunts all collected those things. They loved them. All right, Matt. So what's your next one? All righty. We are in what's number oh, six. Well, my number six the trio and i'll take one or all of them and it's back to star wars it is a early run graded non-graded but a prong card double telescoping vader luke or ben kenobi for those unaware the original action figure vintage that had the little saber come out of the hand the first six months or so of them it extended twice to make a big long version of the saber come out but then kenner decided to just make it one solid piece which a lot of us cried about but those all ones look so awesome yeah you were talking about a uber uber pricey uh grail oh, yeah. there yeah we're talking a couple of them are like over ten thousand now yeah and to be honest i don't know if i have ever seen one in person any of the three i've only ever seen the luke in like a uh in the early bird package remember the early birds you could mail out for and the early ones that you can mail out for had the double telescoping Luke, so he's the most common. I've heard that the double telescoping Ben Kenobi, the blue plastic they used for his slaver, is so fragile, most guys won't even try to pull it out to show the double telescoping feature anymore because it'll snap. Wow. You will not be getting that for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so my, my next one, I'm going back into the realm of statues. And Matt, you have heard me talk about this one several times on the show. From Gentle Giant, they released this. Uh, anyone who's listened to our show knows that I love droids. So I really wanted this. And I, I actually forget why I didn't get it. And I think what it might have been was I kind of hesitated because I thought, well, there's not many people are going to really be clamoring for this statue. So I have a little bit of time to wait. And then it was sold out by the time I did. I believe that's what happened. And so I kick myself for that reason. 
But anyway, the statue was meant to celebrate the 100th episode of the now defunct Star Wars show, uh, which was like their internet channel thing uh, yeah. that StarWars.com did. And it features an MSC mouse droid wearing headphones, sitting on top of Chopper, holding a camera and microphone. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Sitting on top of a gonk droid. And the microphone is plugged into the gonk droid. And on the ground, there's a little clapper that says Star Wars show on it. And obviously, it's a completely outside canon, outside universe, which isn't normally my thing. But it's got three droids all in one place. I love all three of the droids. I love this statue. It is extremely rare, though. And it was limited to only 500 pieces. And I tried to find what the original price was, and I, I couldn't find it anywhere, but I think it was 120 And if you happen to find any now, they seem to run around $300 minimum. Ouch. If I saw one for $120 today, I would not even hesitate for a second to get it. You like it that yeah. much? Huh? Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. It's awesome. I don't think I would pay 300 for it. And like I said, I think this was really just a situation where I didn't jump on it immediately because I'm like, well, how many people are really going to want something from the Star Wars show? And I'm like, oh, 500 pieces. Well, maybe that's why it sold out quickly. Uh, very, very limited. Yeah, very limited. But anyway, yeah, that, that's on my list is my number whatever. Uh, back to you, Chris. That sounds like a really cute uh statue my number five is another hummel figure um it is called the photographer and um we are now working on our so my dad myself and now my children um all love doing photography as a hobby so i would really like to replace that figure as well my number five has already been on someone on your list eric uh, i remember it i remember it well because my cousins had it and it was as tall as me because they lived and breathed Transformers. It was the Generation 1 Fortress Maximus. As a little kid, I'd go up to my cousins. My uh, aunt and uncle were decently well off. Um, not, not hardcore well off, but enough to where they had an entire room for them to play in. And it knew one entire section of this room, which now looking at it, was only probably like a 12 by 8. But still, back then, you're a little kid, it's enormous. It was nothing but Transformers piled and piled. And standing in front of it, almost as tall as me, if not as tall as me, a small child, was the G1 Fortress Maximus. And I vividly remember just playing with the head of it all day long while they played with everything else because they thought didn't think it was that cool. Like, yeah, they had the flag. They had the G1, the, the Fortress. They had everything. Everyone knew that one kid or family that, uh, for for me, it was uh, it was two friends that their their brothers. They always had like everything. Like they were big into Legos, and Legos even back in the day were were oh, pricey. Yeah. But they were getting like Legos from overseas that like nobody over here saw, and they they always had like they they actually didn't have Fortress Maximus, but they had like tons of Transformers. But uh, yeah, every, everyone knew that like one kid or family where it's like they they got everything for Christmas. It was my cousins. I remember. I remember that eventually, I wanted them to pass down all the toys to me when they got older. 
because they eventually got into hockey and ice skating and skiing. But I wanted their because they were like seven, eight years older than me, right? So they did get Star Wars when it was originally coming out. And um, I just, at the time, this, well, let me let you know that my cousins, their house, which was way out in the country, a big three-story, 12-room, uh, 1800s mansion that had been, they restored, by the way. I, this That house will come up later in this top 10 over another figure that I have a story about. But for the time being, we'll talk about me playing with Fortress Maximus, just this head. You remember? I remember you telling me the head transform. Yes, I just played with his head the entire time while they did other stuff because they were they just they didn't think it was that great. Um, they had the flag up on like they had like the 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 stern of the flag with the bow up straight up against the wall, like upward upright, and like the white part was like holding it, balancing it so it wouldn't fly back off the side of the wall, which <laughs> I would never do, but. They said it was too tr- much trouble to put it together. And I was like, oh, I understand that. But yeah, Fortress Maximus, my number, I think that was five. What was that? Yes, yeah, number five. G1 Fortress Maximus. All right, so my next one. And this is interesting, okay? So released in 2017, this figure was a shared exclusive from the official G.I. Joe and Transformer Collectors Clubs. Now, I was completely aware that was even a thing at the time, okay? Either that or I wasn't paying attention to it because I wasn't collecting Transformers or G.I. Joe. So I'm sure maybe that had something to do with it as well. But I was not even aware this figure existed until I saw it at a convention probably like the same year or maybe the year after it came out. And I haven't seen it again at any shows either. So it's a regular three and three quarter inch figure that comes on a card like a G.I. Joe would. However, the card art says Transformers, and it's a human version of the Transformer RC. Okay. Oh, yeah, because remember there's an episode where her and uh, Robert yes. and another guy yes. become humans. So this figure is a human female in RC's colors. Well, I only vaguely remember this, but apparently there was a Transformers episode where RC's spark was transferred into a synthetic human body, and one of the villains in that episode is known as Old Snake. Old, and yep. Old Snake was an alias of the one and only Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander. Correct. So it's a crossover episode. This figure is the kind of deep cut I love. These are the kind of figures that should be exclusives. The stuff where you kind of got to be an Uber fan to get it. And apparently they also did another figure that was a human type figure of Rodimus Prime. Now, I don't think I ever saw him in person. I just saw the RC. I only found out about the Rodimus Prime while researching the RC figure. I'd love to get my hands on one, but you're going to be looking around $75 just for a loose one and more like 100 to 120 for a carded one. And what would really kill me is this is the type of figure where I wouldn't mind having two because it's so unique i would love to have it on the card but yet i'd love to open it too and that's always one of those things where you're like ah, am i going to spend that much money on something and then open it so i don't know i think if i were to pick one up i would maybe get a carded one and uh, leave it carded as much as an opener as i am that is uh that's my number whatever <laughs> whatever we're at all right back to you chris 
All right, so my number four, um, I'm finally getting into some Star Wars here. I would love to get a hold of Sabine's TIE Fighter from Micro Galaxy. The rare one. Yes. Remember, remember where uh, Sabine paints that one TIE Fighter into like all those rainbow colors? The oh, Micro yeah, yeah. Had a rare chase one that you could get. It was that regular retail, but it was just short-packed kind of thing? It, it was. They chase-packed the retailers boxes that got sent to them so even the retailers didn't know which one got the chase rare sabine tie fighters in it. yeah does it go for a lot i mean it's a fairly new item so it might not be too hateful. What is it? yeah i think it's a couple hundred now if i remember right the last time oh I a couple it. hundred yeah that's hateful <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was, I was like, sure. oh, so uh, it came out recently. I mean, there can't be that many people buying up the micro collection. The stores are always overflowing with it every time I'm there. So maybe what? It's going to be like double retail price. And, it's like, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you have if it were double, I'd pick it up in a heartbeat. Yeah, it's like pushing 350 now. Oh, my gosh. That's nuts. That is nutty nuts. Yeah, because I never saw because of course the retailers didn't know which ones got the regular TIE fighter from the OT and which one got Sabine's version that's painted up all crazy color. Because again, it's a chase. They're chased in the in the assortment boxes. Now, do you think that this is a response to not so much the popularity of the micro collection, but people getting the dollar signs in their eyes where where people are just like Oh, I can buy this because I because I can flip it. I know it's worth something. I'll say a little bit of both. The guy that's running the micro collection, he's a huge fan of the '90s uh, when back when Galoob and Micro Machines were running it. Had it before Hasbro got it, and I'm sure some people are buying it to flip it. I mean, they're chased. But again, some people are ch like Chris. She's not chasing it to flip it. She chases it because she loves the micro collection, and so do a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, that, well, and I, I mean, and it's Sabine, and it's her paint art, right? So just like I liked the ghost, and I, I definitely wanted all of the characters in the card backs because you had the mural in the background. That was, you know, it's. I think some of it's because of that as well. Yeah, because the micro collection. I mean, I think it was like in the first wave they had the Imperial transport, and I can still go to Walmart and they have a dozen of them there. So I don't know if the micro collection is really selling like crazy gangbusters uh because the stores always seem full of them so that's why i'm wondering if it, it it seems like maybe it's more a reaction to the oh this is something valuable more though more so than it's valuable to them um which is always a shame all right your turn matt Alrighty, so my turn here is number four and like you, even though you didn't have it on your list, but you mentioned it, I had it on my list because I knew not one, but two families that had passed the great, the biggest playset slash vehicle in three and three quarter history, the G.I. Joe U.S.S. Blag. My cousins that had it up right against the wall were the first family I knew that had it. Then about three months later, my 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 backdoor neighbor, because he was because we were we grew up in the suburbs where everyone's backyards touch each other, you know. And my friend Joshua Kelly all of a sudden came up to me and says his birthday and we were going to go to this party and he did. He had a huge box because he had opened it long before we got there and he had the USS flag and we tried to put it together in his room. It was too big. So we had to put it together in the living room 
and we played it as I didn't go to his house a lot because his parents were very they weren't really the kind of rough and tumble kind of parents my parents were where me and my brother decide hey here's a nerf football the couch is the touchdown the the kitchen tile is the other touchdown go for it and we wrestled for football in the middle of the house until our mom yelled at us and threw stuff at us they were much more the we have extremely nice carpet and extremely nice formal wear in our living room kind of parents oh yeah yeah so we couldn't really play i couldn't go over there they didn't really like me to go over there a whole lot but the times i did we i i vividly twice remember landing my little brother's night raven because he had the night raven and the mamba and the mobile command center my little brother got all kinds of good gi joe stuff and we took the old command center over there and we landed the mamba on it because none of us had a sky striker because we hadn't known about the sky striker being at retail early enough because we were all still too young so it already came and went by the time we did get the mamba we did get the we got the night raven on clearance and then we get all the tiger force reissues that's what he got too so he used it on that, but he loved playing with a little microphone over anything. And I was like, dude, we have a working elevator on this that we can never get to work. And we had <laughs> all kinds of stuff. And he had like the little, he loved like the little uh, gas powered, the little gas refueler part. And so like that. And I'm like, play with the battle. All right. We have a flag to fight all these Cobras. But again, none of us had a lot of Cobra troopers because they were so hard to find back then. We had like a televiper. We had the stinger driver. We had the bug driver. I had, I had the bug. Someone else. We had an after wiper and I remember fighting it. We had a bunch of Joes, but uh, I do. So I had not one but two reminiscences of the flag. You're talking about like him loving the microphone, and I'm I'm like, and that set him off on a long career of karaoke. <laughs> like he just falls in love with these. Like I don't care about the ship. I want to sing. All right. So next on my list. Transformers Marissa Fairborn with Afterburner figure. Uh, no, what was that? 2016? I don't remember, but this was because I don't have it written down. But this was <laughs> another Transformer Collector Club, uh, Collector Club figure. Marissa Fairborn was a human character from the Transformers, and she came with a futuristic motorcycle, which is supposed to be the Autobot Afterburner. Now, he can't transform, and he's a big motorcycle, too. I mean, He's really big. But anyway, and, and she fits him. It's three, three-quarter scale. This one isn't quite as hateful a price on the secondary market. And it ranges in the $70 to $80 for even carded ones. And as of a day ago, this is no longer on my Holy Grail list. It is it? on its way. Probably be in my hands, I'm assuming, probably tomorrow. Now, being the lore guy, let me let me explain the lore here for people. Who don't know, Marissa Fairborn is part of the third and fourth season of Transformers. Which, after the first two seasons, <laughs> it takes place in the 1980s, it jumps ahead like 15 years, 20 years in the future to the late 1990s. What happens is Marissa Fairborn is the daughter of Flint and Lady J because Fairborn was his name and she looks like Lady J but with Flint's name. So that's that's the uh and i'm sure that's a crossover figure for both of them good job sir yeah and now afterburner as far as the transformers go he was a technobot and one of the combiners for uh the the technobot team now the version they have with the action figure where she can ride him does not look like the toy and obviously the toy was 
you know, a totally different scale. He was, you know, maybe four inches long or something uh, as the toys go and looks totally different. So I'm not sure if that version of Afterburner was ever even in the cartoon with her, uh, but that's how they ha have them paired up for the action figure. And I paid, I got mine for $58 and it was less than $8 shipping. And that's carded. Now I'm going to open it. So I, I really didn't care about having it packaged anyway. And I'm like, well, you know, the price isn't hateful for a packaged version. I've mm. seen loose ones go for higher than what I paid. So like I said, it is now off my grail list because I, I will be getting it. So I will slot something else into there that I had mentioned before. Uh, there was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive back when Hasbro was trying to push its shared universe. And they released this set that had like one Transformers, one G.I. Joe figure, one... Oh, yeah. Might have been Visionaries or something. And they had one for Rom's Space Knight. Now, I wasn't ready to buy a whole set like that just to get that one Space Knight figure that I wanted. And unfortunately, that guy alone goes for about 150 bucks loose. Um, because it's, it's the only release they ever had of him. Now, I made a custom of my own like about a year or two ago, but I would still love to get, you know, the the actual the actual figure there. Um, but $150 ain't going to happen. And I'm not sure if that San Diego set had him or if I think he might have been single carded. They did a uh, a three and three quarter inch scaled matte tracker from Mask. But I think he was single carded, similar uh, similar to the way the RC and Rodimus were. And he's one I wouldn't mind getting just because, you know, I really liked Mask. All right. It's going to be back to you, Chris. Okay. Um, so mine is also a, a Mythos statue. Um, it was a late addition to this list because uh, Matt reminded me of it. Um, but we had gone to a comic store and I was looking at this $120-ish uh, Grogu figure and the the guy who was like running the store, he looked at me and he was like, you know, you should go in the back that we've got this really awesome, you know, Grogu statue back there. And so we, you know, we meandered our way back there and saw the Grogu, which looked awesome. Don't get me wrong. It, it looked fantastic. But we saw this Asajj Ventress mythos statue. Um, and and kind of like you said, uh, you know, about about yours, you know, it was like, just the the way they captured the fabric and everything it looks stunning it's so pretty well i gotta tell you but that statue was a potential contender because i remember when i saw the preview for that i said that thing is freaking beautiful looking yeah it's a true work of art with those double sabers and all like the whipping they got the whipping effect in the yeah like yeah that, th that thing is amazing yeah, there, there's there's times I I look at these high end collections where people have all these hot toys figures and statues and stuff, and I'm like, good lord! I, like if I had that much money, I I would have my mortgage paid off. <laughs> you know, some of what goes in these collections, it's amazing. Oh, so, man. what's your next one, Matt? Alrighty, so we talked about the flag. Oh, here's a more recent one from uh, I think it was either 2010 or 2011. It was these. The San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Revenge of the Dead Je Jedi Death Star display set with the Revenge of the Death Revenge of the Jedi figures, which include 
the two little micro corded figures of uh, Salacious Crumb and the Mousetroid. That thing is well over $1,000 now. I'll never probably own it. I came back into collecting just as it started raising up to like the three and four hundred dollar, two and three hundred dollar range. When we got to around three fifty, it's like ah, I'll wait till it goes down again, and it has never went down. But, so when they do reissue Salacious Crumb in a few next year, I kind of hope they put them on the same card and give them the same number. Ah. <laughs> but the figure will be different, so the the completionist yeah. will still be like re. So getting back to uh, Star Wars for me is uh one that isn't necessarily hard to find he's just more than i'm willing to spend on a piece of plastic and that is the kenner vintage yak face the last figure i need to complete my vintage collection really you have all the extra like you have the uh the mastery band that only yeah now i'm not counting variations and uh i do have some variations now snaggletooth i I don't really count Snaggletooth as a variation. I mean, he's practically a different, a totally different figure in my, in my opinion. And I have blue Snaggletooth. That that's one where a lot of people are like, "Yeah, do you have blue Snaggletooth?" I had blue Snaggletooth from the time I was a kid, and he was one of my least favorite figures. I hardly even played with him. I I didn't like him. He had creepy red eyes, and I hated the fact that every other kid I knew had a little short red Snaggletooth, and I had this stupid tall blue one now i don't care so much about that but uh so i didn't i didn't get the red one until you know i was in my teens and i you know picked them up at a flea market or something but yak face as most people that listen to this show would know he was not a u.s release he was in canada and I, i think a couple other places but yeah i i had almost all the figures from the time I was little, with the exception of a lot of the Power of the Force ones, and then just some oddball ones. Like, for whatever reason, it took me forever to get Hoth Leia. <laughs> like, like, I just didn't have Hoth Leia for the longest time, and, and she's I'm not even... I'm surprised you had so many of the last 17 from the time you were little. What was that? Get... Yeah, I'm surprised you had so many of the last 17. Some of those are really pricey now, especially like Gunner and some of the other... Well, the um, Ananaman... EV99 and Barada, I got with the, I think it was the JC, it was either the JC Penny's version or the Sears version of Jabba's Dungeon. Uh, the one version had three of the regular Return of the Jedi figures in it, and then the one I had had the three Power of the Force figures in it. So I had those right off the bat. It was all the other ones I was missing. I acquired General Lando and Han and Carbonite from one of my best friends. He had those from when he was a kid, but he wasn't really collecting Star Wars figures. And I had a couple issues, like a couple early issues of Spawn, the the comic. And he was really into Spawn, so we did it as a trade. I'm, I'm like, I'll trade you. And he's like, well, you know, I can't, because Han Solo is like his character. He really likes him. And, and I was like, dude, I need these for my collection. I collect the Star Wars figures that you you collect the spawn comics it's perfect so i got those two in a trade and then just at like different toy shows and stuff i i got like the gunner and the the a-wing pilot and i think i only paid like maybe 40 bucks now th- this was before kind of the resurgence in like the collectors were there but they weren't as 
into it as like a couple years later. Okay. Similu slash Imperial Dignitary slash Purple Pope. I had to buy him twice. I bought him for maybe like 30, 40 bucks or something when I was in my late teens at a flea market and somewhere he got lost, never found him. So I had to buy him again. And I think I paid about the same amount a number of years later. And then I picked up pop-up lightsaber R2 at a Star Wars celebration of all places. I think I paid like $80 for him. And then I, and he didn't have the saber. I bought the saber from someone else for like 10 bucks. And for all I know, it's a reproduction saber, but I don't care that much about the accessories and stuff. Uh, so I got him. And then the Luke and Stormtrooper disguise, I picked up at Steel City Con a number of years ago. In good shape. He's not like super yellowed or anything like that. Has the helmet. And I was walking around in my biker scout costume when I saw him. And I was like, oh, how much is that? And he's like, well, like I was going to ask 50, but since you're 501st, I'll give it to you for 40. And I'm like, done. I will send my wife around who has my wallet to uh, pick it up, to uh, pay for it. So, yeah, I'm complete on all the figures. I have Jabba. I have Max Rebo Band. I do not have the the Droid Factory three-legged R2. I don't really count him as, like, the main line of figures. Uh, so I, I just need Yak Face. And there's a few uh, a few variations I would like to get. I'm not super crazy about having to get every single little variation, like, chewy with greenish arms or something i i don't care about stuff that far out but like i have um obi-wan with both the white hair from when i was a kid and i later got uh gray hair i have both smiling and not smiling lando i have the two versions of bespin leia which the way i got the second version of that was my wife had hers from when she was a kid and I wasn't even aware that variation existed at the time. And I'm like, oh, holy crap. Okay. Uh, so now I have both of that. So th those are some of the variations I have. But Yak Face is the only actual figure that I'm missing. And I just can't bring myself to spend $400 for a little piece of plastic. So he is still on my list as a grail. And many other people's. And many other people's. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of people, it's, pro it's probably price. It's it's a lot of coin. I could go on eBay right now. There's probably you know thirty of them on there or more, but to get one at a price that isn't going to break the bank, that's a different matter. So back to you, Chris. All right. Uh, so my number two is actually a, a combo thing, and it goes back to these series of unfortunate events. But um, in the '90s era, I had started um, or I'd been introduced to comics. And um, the two comics that really drew my attention, one was called Dark Child and the other one was called Fathom. And so I am slowly trying to replace those that are lost. Now, I, still have I don't recognize the title on those. Were those like indies or something? No, they were uh, Image. Remember Fathom, Mike Turner? Which oh, play? Fathom, Fathom. Okay. Fathom, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The artwork in that is oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, di I dig the artwork from that because he did he did something else did he do some of the tomb raider 
one, yes. I think. He was the original Tomb Raider Witchblade. Because remember, Tomb Raider started as a comic. Yeah, Witchblade. That was the other one I was thinking of. Yeah, he, he, Witchblade, he did Tomb yep. Raider. And he did Fathom. Yeah, he, he's he got to be like one of my favorite comic artists. I, he I was. love his look. He passed away in 2008 or nine. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, Mike Turner. He, he, had, he got cancer. He, only, he was only like 38. All right, Matt. So what is your next one? So my number two Holy Grail is possibly many people's Holy Grails. For I've been doing some research in the last few years about a certain mail-away bounty hunter that we're all familiar with. So, as we all know, you could, before he was on card in stores, you could send in, I think, three perps of purchase or five perps of purchase to Kenner and get a rocket-firing Boba Fett. It would come with two rockets, and it would you'd put it into his backpack and shoot him with a little red pullback lever. As we all know the story, that while it was in production, a child unfortunately did pass away from a Battlestar Galactica uh, action um, missile firing vehicle. That's why a lot of missiles later on in GI Joe and other were really long, and those long they were like over. I think if the I think the the FDA said it has to be over three inches long, so it can't get easily jammed into your to a kid's esophagus. Yeah, there's That's- actually a uh, there's actually like a device a lot of the tool companies have, but it's basically just like a tube, and they have to make sure that item cannot fit in that tube or like jam sideways or whatever. And I mean, that that's actually part of the reason why some of the rifles and stuff are gooey, rubbery plastic, so they can't lodge sideways. Yep, Um, and that's why missiles, which you remember the the Cylon Raider missiles and the Rockhart, they were were small little missiles, maybe maybe an inch long at the most to be shot. Yeah. And that's why they had to make later on with G.I. Joe uh, firing backpacks and stuff. Had to make them long for the safety. The, the thing is, is they can go smaller. The whole the whole yeah. point is they can't be stuck. So yeah. they they can make something that's fairly small. They can make, but you know, at a certain point, okay, well now they have to jump up that size. Yeah, it can be like pebble size, like those little shooting things that Lego has, and they always shoot like one stud yep. shots that size of a pebble. That's fine. Kids eat pebbles. Trust me, I went down a few myself in my in my <laughs> toddler years. <laughs> As we know, as many people's holy grails, the rocket firing Boba Fett. Now, which one do you ask, Matt? The J slot or the L slot? Because they were practicing on two different ones. I don't care. The issue yeah, is this. At, at that point, because I mean, the rocket fired, but you just didn't put a holy grail on your list, Matt. You put on for Star Wars collectors probably the holy grail in capital T H E. Let me let me throw some lore on you on this one. As you know, as you collect the Star Wars, everyone knew somebody who said they had one of the fire rockets. They lost it, and as you know, they never went out like that because instead of getting that, they came with a non-firing version and with a rocket was put in a little note that said, "Unfortunately, due to safety regulations and concerns, we've affixed the rocket. If you wish to turn in your Boba Fett for a different figure of your choice, we'll make that a possible. Few kids would ever do that." What I would come and find out later in the previous last few years is uh, uh, David Quinn of the Star Wars Prototypes and uh, Production Web uh, Podcast has a friend, Matt 
something. I can't remember. He actually did own a rocket firing Boba Fett uh, about 10 years ago or so that he sold for around 50,000, 50 or 60,000. And now it, a loose rocket firing Boba Fett sells for around 90. Okay. So when he owned it, he went to go back to do some providence on it to make, to find out about it. So he went back and talked to some of the um, people that owned it and only, only had one or two owners. And he went back further and he found some of the Kenner employees from back in the 80s who talked about the bounty hunter with his ray gun. Because, I mean, these people were 30 and 40 years old back in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. So this was kid stuff to them, and kind of, no one really understood that these things were going to be huge. He got his friend, who actually originally owned it, to talk to that employee. And the employee did a little interview, and he, and he wrote down a letter to him, to Matt, to Matt giving him a providence on who, what division he worked in. He worked in QA, and he said his house was filled with QA figures because he lived in a little suburb outside of Cincinnati, and he'd have to take and he'd take home dozens of figures every week that he he was doing QA on to work on. So some had their legs cut off, some had hands cut off, some had were melted. Again, he's supposed to be doing QA for heat and cold tests. This was what he had to do. So when Halloween time would come, he wouldn't just give candy. He would give bags of figures out to kids because back then there really wasn't a whole lot of regulations on employees giving out toys. In his letter, information was that, yes, they originally got about four or five dozen rocket-firing Boba Fetts from the factory overseas in China back to the Kenner QA testing lab. Now, them, this he doesn't know about any other, anybody, other departments getting any. It's possible, but that's what he had. And he would, you'd write your, you write initials or letters on the bottom of the feet, like C1 or something like that for cold test one or H1 or H2 for hot test two or heat test two. And he said a lot of them were rocket fire. He took a couple dozen, at least a couple dozen home, just like the regular figures. And if you happen to be a trick or treater in the suburb of Cincinnati at the year of 78, late 78, you. Got a few dozen rocket-firing Boba Fett's handed out to you for trick-or-treating. And that's the only instance that's ever been known of actual them being distributed, not by retail, of course, of rocket-firing Boba Fett's in the southwestern tip of Ohio. Man, and, and you know, probably a lot of them just got trashed in the yeah. trash or, or, or yep. whatever over time. You know, it's kind of amazing any of them survived. Uh, from what I understand, there's a there's a, at least like we know of like at least eight to ten of them openly, but rumor is there's like five or six more in black hole collections that people are Star Wars fans that just get it and put it away in a box and they'll never display it. So my next pick, keeping it in the vintage Kenner line, is Vinyl Cape Jawa. <laughs> and, and now the rocket firing Boba Fett to me. That wouldn't make my list just because it's not even a price issue. I mean, it's like the rarest of the rare, priciest of the priciest. I I may as well say, you know, I, I want something from George Lucas's personal collection. It, it just feels so far out there and unachievable. So why would I think the Vinyl Cape Java would make my list then? Why would it be achievable? Well, I've told this story before, but it's pertinent uh, to the subject. There was one in my family, my, my mom's cousins, they were a few years older than me. 
but they all lived with my great grandmother and my mom and I would go to visit. And so I would be playing with my mom's cousins, but they were kind of in between ages and stuff. I think they were like two, three, maybe even four years older than me. And I had a lot of Star Wars vehicles, but I didn't really have any play sets and they had a lot of Star Wars play sets. And I know they had, for example, the red snaggletooth or whatever. But I remember, like, where did they get this weird Jawa? I had never seen anyone else have a Jawa that didn't have the cloth cape. And this one had a, a vinyl cape. And I have no idea whatever happened to it. I remember, like, they got older, moved away from home. So we weren't going over there to visit and my great grandmother passed away and i remember running into him you know after her funeral and i hadn't seen him in years and it, it was kind of like well whatever happened to your all that star wars stuff you had oh it's like up in the attic of the house okay and then some time goes by and i remember i i said hey you know i'll stop by sometime so i stopped by their place and, and i said hey you know i'd be interested in your star wars collection like i like i'd buy it and they were like, well, no, I don't think we're going to sell them. And that was probably, oh, geez, how long ago was that? That was probably close to 30 years ago. And um, I, I don't even know what happened to the house because uh, their father that owned it, he passed away like a couple of years ago. So I'm not sure what the kids did with it or anything like that. So that is always one of those things where it was within my reach and I never got my hands on it. It could still be in that house's attic. I have no idea. Um, so that's why that's on my list because it was kind of like a close call. I almost would have been able to get my hands on one. I know I could never afford to buy one, nor would I be willing to spend that kind of money. Yeah, they're pushing close to 10 now. Yeah, I, I do have a friend that said he has one and he paid all of 50 bucks for it because the guy didn't know what he had. He, he To him, it was just a Jawa. Mm, I would make sure to go on Variant Villain and figure that one, make sure that's legit. But yeah, that well, be great. Who knows? But I think that I think the fact that that guy didn't know what he had maybe, you know, lends a little bit more chance that it's correct. I, I forget if I asked him, I said, well, do, do you actually know? I think I did. And he, and he said, yeah, you know, I made sure it wasn't a Ben Kenobi cape or something like that. Some people try to pass those off, but yeah. So, uh, those are the two vintage Kenner ones. I would still like on my collection for our final one. Back to you, Chris. So my last one actually is a star Wars item. Um, and it actually was a part of the series of unfortunate events as well. But back when the prequels came out, um, I camped to go watch it um, with my then boyfriend. And um, I remember for Christmas getting Queen Amidala dolls. And so one of the um, items that I would like to get, I would like to get the Queen Amidala black travel gown, uh, the 1999 portrait edition. Now, are like, those the part of the 12-inch line? And then they had like... Yeah, I think so. Because I think Those they had like a couple size. Padmes where they had like interchangeable outfits, right? Kind of like a like a Barbie almost. 
Yeah, this was like a Barbie. It's but it was it like came in this really pretty packaging and the dresses were really intricate. But yeah, I would like to replace my my queen of a dollar doll. Now that a... one shouldn't be too hard to get a hold of for a good price. I mean, that Phantom Menace stuff was so mass produced that people yeah. can't give some of it away. Now there was two different companies, two different people, uh, retailers. There was regular retail for the twelve inch kind of Barbie ones, but remember FAA Schwartz had the more expensive ones. Because we were, because I remember Chris looking this up, and it was the black outfit. It was well, she wears black a couple times. She has yeah. There's ball. two. There's two black outfits. There's one where it has like the big tall fan that goes back and and the dress seems to have like more uh roughly tight material with it um and there's like a wrapping right around uh her face where only her face is showing and then the other black one kind of has a more triangular hairstyle to it with without anything covering the hair yes the one that i'm looking at is the one that is close to her face and it's got the fan the feathers the feathers. The Philly yeah. stuff yeah yeah yeah. All right, Matt. All right, now, so I take you back to the year of either 1991 or 1993, right around that time frame. My aunt, which is not the same one that worked lived out in the country, she worked for the military, and uh, she was still, I think she was U.S. Army, or anyway, she was one of their early IT people way back in the 80s and 90s. And she would go to different countries or, you know, to set up stuff at bases and stuff. And she told me she's going to go visit some places with lots of toys. And at the time, again, it's the early 90s. I'm still big into G.I. Joe. And I want troopers. I want vipers and troopers. Cobra vipers, cobra troopers. And so I didn't really, I knew my aunt couldn't remember a cobra viper. They just picked up whatever's on the shelf, right? So I kept telling her, get the blue ones. The blue because I knew Cobra, I knew she could remember Cobra Blue. The Vipers were blue and black. The troopers were blue and black. If, if the troopers were long discontinued by this time, they got discontinued in like what 86 for the Viper? Kind of like that. They were already so they were on the shelf for three or four years. So she goes off overseas. And this is like ooh, that previous winter. So we're now three or four months later, four or five months later, around Memorial Day. She's back from overseas. She stops by our house to, to see her brother, my dad. We go to, she, and she goes, ah, oh, I got you some figures. Like, all right, cool. I'll give them to you at July 4th. Awesome. So we go to the July 4th, a few months later, to my cousin's house way out in the country, big Victorian house, lots of land, and acreage, and all that good stuff. And I meet my aunt who tells me, I forgot your figures. I'll bring them back. I'll bring them by the house a couple days and I see your dad. Like, sweet. I remember this vividly because a day or two after July 4th, my aunt that worked in the military came over to my dad's house or our house. And she gave me the figures. It's like, all right. And she gave me two. Well, they weren't blue. One was blue and one was blue purplish. The blue purplish one was a, about a year something she had found on the shelves was a techno viper, which we know was from like 87, like four or five years earlier. And it was like, and, but it had dust on it. So apparently it, it was a peg warmer back then, and she picked it up for clear. And the other one was Baroness. All right. And mom, I vividly remember mom, doesn't she wear black in the show? And I was like, yeah, but she was wearing blue in the first ones. And the, by the first ones, I didn't understand the pilot, you know, the mass device when she's wearing the blue with a yellow shoulder pad. 
mind you, she's molded in a mid-tone blue plastic, not as dark as the troopers, but not as powder blue as like shipwreck shirt, right? And it's the legit ver version one. And the tampo on the front is red, just like the black one that was version one. Only there was no little circle around it like in 97. It was just the, the red Cobra. And uh, I played with it for months. I had the Blue Baroness this entire time. So I go and I, I lost a lot. I gave away and lost all my Joes when I got older because, again, I did the stupidest thing ever and tried to become an adult. So when I was in high school, I my buddy, who was a couple years out of high school, Asked me for all my old comics and stuff. I'm like, yeah, hey, man, here you go. I'm in college. I ain't got time for all this stuff. Star Wars is dead. Did you see those new movies that came out? They're horrible. And so I go and give away all of my old stuff. And I assume the Blue Baroness was in there because I don't have any of my old Joes anymore. So I go later. And it's like, well, I'm going to look up all my old Joes. And I start looking up all this, the, the, the snake eyes with the big red goggles that my brother had. The version one my cousin had that was the all black one. Then the version 1.5 and 2. I found the Techno Viper. I, I could not find the Blue Baron. I kept coming to some like three pack from 97 where she's in her molded in her version one mold. She's in like a lighter blue, like about the same color blue, maybe slightly lighter with like silver accents. But the tampo on her chest is different to where instead of a red cobra symbol like it is on the black version, it's a red circle with a black cobra in the red circle. It's a three pack from like ninety seven when they went after they got away from. Remember GI Joe Stream, the five inch GI Joe yeah. minute. Yeah, and went back to the. Uh, Everyone would rather forget about them. Actually, yeah, exactly. So I was like, I know there was a Blue Baroness, did not, and I looked and looked and looked, and finally I thought maybe my aunt got me some figures from like overseas. So I looked up the uh, Fun School versions out in India, where they did have a Red Baroness. And but she was called like Red Knock or something, and I, I could not find where this blue baroness came from. She I didn't make it up that she wasn't because he wasn't wearing black. I kept and I like I vividly remember my mom saying, Doesn't she wear black in the show? Like, no, yes, but she wore blue in the first ones when she's wearing her blue outfit with the black boots and the yellow little yellow shoulder pad in the mass device. And I to this day cannot find this variant of the of the baroness. Was she some kind of overseas knockoff? I haven't seen any overseas knockoffs that pulled it off that well, nor have I oh. seen any that are in that color. Uh, most of them go with the black she's known for. But and she it's new, so it's obviously not like it's sun faded or something. To this day, I cannot find my Blue Baroness. I, I saw her on the card. I took her off. I had the Techno Viper. Um, she had some accents on her, but I can't. But they were... They were silvers like the 97 one, but they weren't all overly silver like they are on the 97. The tampo is the one that caught my eye, that the tampo was so different on her chest. And then the date, she comes out in 97. I was graduated by 97. I know I was nowhere near toys back then. So I know this is at least, let's see, I was 18. So I was back around 10 to 12, 10 to 13 years old, at least five to six years earlier. And to this day, everyone tells me, well, there are no secondaries. There are no knockoffs. You must I'm like, look, guys, counterfeit Joes did exist as Uze bootlegs and counterfeit Star Wars vintage figures existed, all right? I mean, we we were near Kenner. Maybe some guys decided to make some in the area, or maybe my aunt picked these up overseas. She said mm. she picked them up while she was traveling, so it might have been something overseas they picked up. 
I thought someone said maybe it was sun faded. I was like, no, 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 this wasn't like a faded black. It's like a mid-tone blue. And it's like I said, to this day, I know that figure existed. I had it for months just playing with it. It's now in the ether of whatever history G.I. Joe figures had. I wish I could find something on it. Wow. Still so can. that's your that's your number one is just like that is my number one. Not just because it's impossible for fine, po- possibly a mythos in some people say a childhood dream that I've forgotten. This is my number one because if it exists, it proves many other things that many of the G.I. Joe elitists have said that there were no knockoffs, there were no secondary runs on things for th- like, but you obviously don't know how bootleg toy factories can get something i wish i could find more information on it so if i could find the blue bareness that's what i'm looking for and if anyone else knows it out there i'm gonna go look for it because that's my uno number one so yeah heads up to your listeners i mean just have like this mystery solved after all these years that would be really really neat she wasn't asia i know that much because she went over to asia a lot back in the 80s and 90s for the military all right, so my number, my number ten, or my last one, or whatever you want to say, my list really isn't in any particular order. But I was going through these, and I'm, you know, looking out my collections, thinking, well, you know, what kind of holes do I have? And as you see, there's not a lot of actual Star Wars figures on my list, and I think it's because, especially when you come to the modern figures, I have most of what I want, and there's a few out there that are hard to find they're very expensive on the secondary market like the um like the mandalorian i think it was entertainment earth it was some retailer exclusive like entertainment earth and they had like these two mandalorian five packs or whatever and they go for like a ridiculous amount of money even loose you know you find any of those figures that was the first time we had uh, female mandalorian figures uh, there was one in each one of those sets. They all go for a lot. I would love to get some of those figures, but not for the price they're going for. There's a lot of stuff I would rather have. So it's like, okay, well, those don't make the list. So not a lot of modern stuff. And that's what kind of started me down some of the crossover things where I'm like, these are really unique deep cuts. But we're going to do something a little bit different with this last one. I'm going into the realm of screen used props now wait you probably think it's han solo's blaster or luke's lightsaber or something like that no this is not a star wars screen used prop as big of a star wars fan as i am i can make a lot of my own props uh and there's tons of people making replicas out there this is the screen used glaive from the movie crawl 1983 now i do make a replica of this prop uh it was one of the first props i ever saw in a movie where i said i want to have one in real life that is so cool i think it's a work of art if anyone is not familiar with the movie crawl it's like a fantasy movie kind of like legend that kind of thing came out in 1983 i think shortly after like i think it might have been like two weeks after return of the jedi hit theaters which obviously didn't help and it is kind of cheesy but uh but anyway this weapon it's kind of like this five bladed boomerang sort of 
magical weapon. And I just always thought it was so cool. And even though I make replicas myself, that is one screen used prop I would love to get my hands on. And just last year, I think it was, there was an auction and they auctioned off some screen used uh, crawl props. And they did have a hero version of the glaive. It was the version where the blades were actually uh, spring-loaded to pop out. They weren't springs. They were actually rubber bands. And the hero version was only one-sided because every time you see the blades pop out of it, it's shot from straight on the side. So you can't tell that it's only one-sided and all the mechanism parts are on the back. But that thing... I don't know what the sold price was, but when I looked at the auction, I know it was already $10,000. So obviously something way, 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 way out of my price range. But if I had to pick a screen-used movie prop, I would love to have that. And it's probably cheaper than uh, Luke's lightsaber would go for anyway. <laughs> Not to mention the fact that a lot of that a lot of Star Wars props, they were kit-bashed. So... Yeah. It's possible you could go and source all the original components for some of those Star Wars props and recreate them yourself. And it's going to be no different than what was in the movie, except the fact that you know the one that you pay half a million dollars for was actually in the movie. This is something where, even though I make replicas of it, I know that if I have the screen-used one right beside me, there's going to be a lot of fine details that are different. So, yeah, that's my one screen use thing I would love to have. My uncle would love you. He he loves the Kroll movie. And whenever he makes them, back in the day in the old JRPG genres of PS1, whenever you get to name your own character, like Suikin or whatever, he always put Kroll as the, as the name. There, uh, in the in the movie version of Ready Player One, there's a part near the the end battle scene, and the one character actually brings up the crawl glaive out of his inventory to use it, and I'm like, oh my gosh! I was like going nuts. They went there on such a deep cut. <laughs> so I think from your list, your holy grail items are nothing you have right now, right? Uh, no, nothing. Well. Technically, I do have the Westing Games modules as PDFs, but nothing else on my list do I own. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same position. I mean, it seems like Chris, a lot of her stuff were were things that she had and she lost. So it seems like there's a lot of that sentimental value to them. You know, wanting to get some of that back. The nice thing is, is one of the things I put on my list. I'm I have it now, but I was surprised at what was on it. I knew immediately when it was like, we're going to talk about Holy Grails. It was like Fortress Maximus Defiant Shuttle because those were always there from the time I was a kid. Those were always the things that I missed having. And then, you know, I have high-end items, which if they were not priced as high-end items, I probably would own those. But it was... I couldn't bring myself to spend that much. And, you know, even looking at the yak face, once again, it's, I can't bring myself to spend that much. So unfortunately, a lot of my grail items, I will probably never, I'll probably never own them, but it, it is what it is. There's a couple honorable mentions I have. Well, I, I had the Matt tracker three and three quarter on here. 
are there any grail items that you you own like you you actually did achieve getting it and then the other thing are there any grail items that weren't necessarily grails when when you bought it but if you lost it you would consider it a grail yeah uh the barge i had to get it on the secondary market from matt fox shout out to Mac fox the dc collectors club he gave me a very good deal on it this is right after it got shipped and everyone was on ebay sniping them and... oh you didn't get it when it originally came out I we'll talk about my uh, well i had planned to but certain finances weren't able to be cleared at the time if we remember correctly remember me i was bitching about it to, to you and george that day on one of the one of the episodes from way back on the jajar table oh wow yeah but he hooked me up there and if i lost it i would be considered i'd be a sad panda really i'd say what's what's newer that's considered a grail is uh any of the big bmfs even though because they especially those early ones or i guess maybe i don't think it was called grail they're just pricey because they're big Oh, I know. My cus those old crappy custom Power of the Force twos for sentimental value, but those wouldn't be hard to replace because Power of the Force two are stuff that I customed wouldn't be hard to replace. Not really, man. My Grails are. I try to keep my Grails Grails. I don't have anything that if I lost, I'd be so devastated. Except maybe like the barge or something. I'd be so devastated. I'd I'd be so stricken to try to get it back. Yeah, I think for me. Um... The Vintage Kenner Imperial Tact Base, which I picked up a few years ago at RetroCon. And now it's not something I had as a kid. As as I mentioned, my mom's cousins, they had the playsets. And I remember going over there and I absolutely loved that playset. You could blow up the buildings and different things and put a put a trooper on that gun, you know, moving it side to side. I just thought that thing was so cool. And uh, never had it as a kid, but I had fond memories of it. So it was one of those things. I was so happy. Now, I mean, if anything happened to it, the house burnt down. There's plenty of things I'm going to be upset about more than that. That That's something that's easily replaceable. And while it has sentimental value, it doesn't have sentimental value because it was mine as a kid or anything like that. But it was just one of those things i i don't know if it necessarily counts as a grail one quasi high-end item i do have from years ago that i that i did buy new is i have a gentle a gentle giant biker scout statue and it's it's essentially black series scaled but the the biker scout is standing leaning against the uh the bike and the bike's hovering there he's just kind of chilling and his foot has a peg in it and that's how the scout trooper and the entire bike appear to be levitating there's no other support supporting the the bike it just looks like it's hovering there and the biker scout's leaning against it now just because of all the weight involved the foot pegs are leaning somewhat close to the ground on the one side but uh again going back to one of the things i liked about that obi-wan mythos statue is you've seen a million statues of a biker scout just riding the bike. But this is something different. It's him leaning against it, just kind of chilling out. Looks really cool. So that's like one of the few kind of high-end items I have. I'd say another one are my 
Mar Jade and Jaina Solo and Optimus Prime Kotobukiya Dispo I can never say it right. The Bishoju statues. Mar Jade, Jaina Solo, and my Optimus Prime ones. I really like those. Those are one of those items a little bit more pricey and they do gain value over time. And then finally, I would say again, this is something I got new, but at Star Wars Celebration, I think it might have been five or or six i don't remember which one but it was in orlando and one of my favorite artists dave dorman uh was down there as a guest on the way yes and his exclusive print for that show was a print on endor with a whole bunch of biker scouts (laughs) and uh once again like a lot of art i like is this wasn't just biker scouts riding on a bike this was the construction of the shield generator and bunker. So you see a bunch of stormtroopers that are holding a bunch of Ewoks by gun at gunpoint. And then uh, I think Vader's there with a couple emperor's guards and uh, there's a ATST Walker. And instead of the, the chin guns on it, it has like this claw and it's actually like carrying part of a tree, like a log And so it's like, that's something that you don't see in any other artwork is like, this whole thing is in construction. It's in progress. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And I forget how much it was. I think it might've been like maybe $80 or something. I don't remember, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Cause I had already spent pretty much my budget for what I was going to spend at the show. And my wife's like, oh, come on. He's like one of your favorite artists. It's Biker Scouts. I'm just like, eh, I don't know. And so it's getting to the close of the show. And uh, my wife and I head over to the R2 Builders Club. And I think I'm talking to some people there. And my wife says, oh, I got to go to the bathroom or something like that. I'll be back. And she comes back and she bought it for me as a gift she's like i know you would regret it if you didn't get it and and she said i was one of the last people in line like they were starting to shut the lights out in that part of the hall and she said what dave dorman would do is in the borders of the photo he would ask them i can do like like a little sketch okay and like personalize it and uh so he's like well what would your husband want and she goes, draw Sporkman. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I write a comic called Sporkman. And uh, so I guess she had on her phone a picture of the character. And she's like, here, can you draw this dude? So on this print I have in the border area, like the matted border area, is like this little hand-drawn sketch of Sporkman by Dave Dorman. So that is, is so cool. Obviously, that has a lot of sentimental value to me. It can't be replaced because even if the print got replaced, you know, that personalization wouldn't be replaced. I would agree. And I know that print you're talking about. It's a great one. It's actually, I think they made it into a card too or something. Like, I've seen it some other places, but like not a print. Just like, yeah, it it's really cool. I have, I have that in my collection room. That's like one big picture I have hanging up. And it was an oddball size. Like, I remember I couldn't find frames for it. So the frame for it is actually custom built by me. And I, and I went and I had glass cut to size and everything. So 
it's uh it's kept really nice really nice condition well i tell you one takeaway i have from the list i made is that this is advice that maybe i would give to some people too is if you're hesitating to buy something because the price is too high on it i would say if it is not a whole lot higher than what you're willing to spend you might want to consider pulling the trigger on it and getting it because as i saw with some of this stuff like this obi-wan statue i almost bought it for 350 dollars, but i thought that was a bit too much if it was like 200 dollars, I, w- I would have bought it probably 250 i would have bought it but it was just a little higher than what i wanted to spend but now the secondary market price is like way 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 more than i would ever spend on it and if i had bought it for 350 dollars, and for some reason i said well you know i don't want it anymore it doesn't fit in my collection or maybe even just simply i saw what the secondary value was and and thought it was worth turning around and selling it i'd make a profit on it so that would just be my advice some of this stuff if you have an opportunity on it sometimes if you pass it over you know you might find it for a good price but on some of this stuff in a lot of cases you don't the the value only goes up uh things become more rare especially if they have very low run numbers like this uh star wars show statue limited to 500 that's a very low count on something so you know obviously don't put yourself in debt to do it you know, make your choices wisely, but you may not want to hold your breath too long, hoping you'll pick it up later because in a lot of cases, the price is just going to skyrocket. I know for me, it, it, it kind of excited me in a way to make this list. And then I'm like finding out about some of these crossover figures because I'm now like, you know what? Now I know something that I can look for where so much of the collecting right now is just keeping up with the current stuff. Oh, new pre-orders, new pre-orders, new pre-orders, and throwing down money on stuff you're not going to see for a while. And I think because of that, I stopped looking for other things I wanted. So I think this has maybe kind of reinvigorated me a bit to uh, stop looking so much at what's coming out but look for some of this stuff that i just never got my hands on all right everyone i hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane slash uh us talking about our grail items that we want as you saw they were kind of all over the place you know not not necessarily our favorite figures or anything like that but some really interesting things on all our lists And with that, we will see you all later. That does it for this episode of Kessel Run Collecting. Don't forget to visit Hole in the Ground Productions, where you can find over 100 diorama kits for Star Wars action figures and more, as well as tons of prop kits for cosplayers and collectors. If you're enjoying our show, please leave a 5-star rating, and a positive written review is even better to help grow the show. Be sure to also check out Kessel Run Collecting on our YouTube and Rumble channels, because we do post videos from there from time to time. We also have a Facebook page, which is a good way to message us. Be sure to check out the show notes for links.